Stock Talking, an exploration of financial markets in the context of the post-corona world. COVID-19 has changed the way we value equity, debt, and business as a whole. My goal is to find great companies who can thrive in the new normal. I can't wait to get started. All right, welcome to the third episode of Stock Talking. I have my second guest on. You had Josh last time talking about ServiceNow. This time we're going to do something much shorter term and much broader in terms of looking at the full market, uh, specifically options. I'm here with Sean Bush. Uh, some call him that. Others call him the impervious. Uh, he is an options trader and someone I look to for short, medium, and long-term opinions on the market. Uh, Sean, welcome to the show. Ah, thank you for having me, Ben. Very happy to be on on this delightful podcast and happy to bring the uh, degenerate gambler perspective to the audience. Yes, uh, we have played many daily fantasy sports, DraftKings and FanDuel together, so I'm glad we can now bring that to the options market. All right, I'm going to start off with uh, what are your overall feelings on the market right now? Um, obviously, short term, things are different and medium term are different than long term. There's a lot to think about with in terms of the reopening of the economy, kind of the dwindling down of, of coronavirus cases. So just would love to hear everything. Um, are you bullish? Are you bearish? What are you thinking? Well, Ben, if you know me, uh, I'm quite bearish. In fact, um, if there's a product I like, I'm trying to find a way to short it or if there's an option there. So I think as with anyone that's been following the market, I think long-term bearish seems to be what all of the economic indicators are pointing towards. But if there's anything we've learned in the last couple of weeks here, that fundamentals have been thrown out the window. So if you're not trading with the trends, you are losing money right now. So short term, I think what we can look at is closing last week uh, above the 285 level. Uh, I see the first couple days of this week continuing that bullish trend uh, up to potentially 293, 295 range. And we're talking about SPY here, obviously. Um, but I feel like that 6.618 Fibonacci retrace mark there is is pretty widely believed to be sort of that turning point of a potential leg down uh, or at least correction in pricing. So what that tells me is that we'll either blow way past it or we're going to see some drop before we get to that 293, 295 price range. So certainly early this week, I'm looking to see where the movement goes. And we've got a lot of interesting earnings calls coming up. Um, companies like Netflix could potentially push us into that higher range uh, with good earnings, but just about everyone else represents a landmine for uh, investment. So I think last week with the banks reporting, basically just uh, giving a head fake to the market um, could be an indication of what we can expect this week, but I think this is going to be a day-by-day uh, week. And at least right now, I'm just trying to play some weeklies uh, to follow that trend. But as soon as we have any type of pivot there back into uh, a more bearish trend, I'm loading up on puts, which have uh, depleted the recent uh, investing account, trying to get too early on that on that downtrend, but lesson learned and looking for that signal. And certainly if we break below 285 and the beginning or middle of the week, I think that we're heading down at least to 270 and possibly to resistance around 240. Yeah, just for context, we're recording this on uh, April 19th. SPY is a close on Friday. It was 286.64. Of course, like contextually, you know, we bottomed around 220 and then we topped February 20th around the 340 range, it looks like, or sorry, 336. So, 
I mean, I think that's, that's kind of the, the million dollar question is like, did we see the bottom um, in that second or third week of March or so? Um, and I tend to agree with you that I think there's another leg down. Um, what I'm not so sure of is, is this kind of like 2008 and 2009 where people kept calling their, the bottom and there were actually three or four separate bottoms. And by the time everything was said and done, um, you actually were 50% off the top as opposed to, you know, 17% that we're off right now. But one thing I did want to follow up with you on is the differences in different groups of stocks we're seeing. So SPY looks like it's only down 17%, but it's actually very much being held up by kind of the paying stocks of the world. So you know, Apple obviously is held in there. Microsoft is doing great. Netflix did an all-time high. You know, these mega cap tech stocks are generally off less than 10% from the highs. If you look at something like the Russell 3000 or like small caps specifically, a lot of those stocks are down 40 or 50%. And I think I read a stat that small caps are down uh, 30% as a group. So do you expect this divergence to continue? Does that factor into how you trade options? Or I don't know if it's valuable at this point to be thinking of, of SPY as kind of one entity, right? I, I, it almost seems like there's the tech stocks and then everyone else. Well, I think if we walk back to March in that original uh, down leg uh, here with the initiation of a lot of the quarantine measures, uh, that basically took down the the market cap of virtually every company in the S&P 500. So if we're looking at a situation where we see that reopening delayed significantly, I think that uh, generally is going to affect uh, pretty much the entire S&P 500 there. So while there will certainly be uh, players, particularly in the FANG group, some of those companies like Amazon that have recently hit all-time highs, uh, I think betting on them to uh, have some retracement from those all-time highs will probably limit profits. I think there's a lot of other opportunities out there um, in whether it's tech uh, or potentially energy, some of these other markets that have been uh, receiving a nice boost from the last few weeks in this bull rally, uh, despite the fact that there isn't really any improvement in their outlook in terms of earnings uh, for first and second quarter. So I think that the market itself is going to definitely have a, an impact across the board, but I think there will definitely be some of those stocks like the FANG stocks that are certainly going to outperform the S&P 500. Uh, in terms of how they do. But I guess to draw a parallel there, um, the percentage of market cap in the S&P 500 represented by those tech firms, or at least the, the FANG companies, is pretty similar to what we saw back in the dot-com bubble where uh, five companies, whether that's Microsoft, Cisco, GE, um, represented a, a significant portion of the overall market cap. So I think a parallel could be drawn there. Um, but overall, I'm looking elsewhere from some of those stocks uh, to try and... In, in, capitalize on that potential down leg in the entire market seeing uh, valuations drop. Yeah, we've definitely talked about how it hasn't been advantageous to, to bet against those kind of big cap names. So I do like where your head's at in terms of trying to look for, for shorts other places. Um, in terms of what we see from here on, and I agree with you that we pretty much diverge from fundamentals, uh, but the big macro news coming down the pipeline seems to be that certain states are going to reopen and there's going to be this gradual reopening of the economy, whether it's restaurants at half capacity or some other kind of preventative measure where uh, things are half back to normal or three quarters back to normal rather than fully back to normal. It's definitely going to be a change uh, new normal. I, I guess my question here is um, in terms of how that goes, right? Like let's say for, you know, just to, to throw out a, one scenario, 
um, you know, retail and restaurants can operate at 25 to 50% capacity. Um, and, and slowly maybe this moves to 50 to 75% or something like that. Does that change your mind at all in terms of how bearish you feel? Or do you feel like there's another crisis that still could play out that has nothing to do with coronavirus? Well, to answer that two different ways in the very last point there, I think we are staring down the barrel at a mortgage crisis, uh, which will certainly be uh, another factor, potential catalyst um, for a future leg down. But I think to your point there, even after we have a reopening, some of the social distancing and different uh, other requirements for these businesses to reopen will significantly limit their ability to uh, establish similar cash flow to you know what they saw earlier in 2020. So at this point, I don't think that there is anything in general, especially across retail or uh, the restaurant business, that indicates to me there is a bullish uh, perspective very near term to expect. Even if we did open up May 1st, I don't think that the behavior of most consumers is going to change. If you've been out on on the street lately, surely people are walking around, but everyone with their masks, masks on and clearly side-eyeing anyone that isn't wearing a mask indicates that I don't think anyone's just going to go back to the bar and start you know, loading up on drinks quite the same way they did. But that having been said, I think that kind of segues nicely into uh, one area where I've seen quite a bit of unusual activity, especially on Friday afternoon. Um, so one of the stocks that really stood out there was a significant amount of volume for uh, CZR with the $9 strike price with monthlies in May and June. So that got me thinking in terms of what, what industries will uh, sort of emerge a lot stronger or be you know really pushing out of the gate when we reopen. And I think Vegas certainly uh, has every desire and interest to get opened as soon as possible. And thinking about some of their customer base, I don't think they will be as sensitive to things like social distancing and whatnot. So I could definitely see uh, a surge for the casinos if Las Vegas is one of the first uh, major municipal areas to really open up. But I could also see Disney um, getting a significant push by having uh, sports, at least televised sports, uh, returning to the fold here if they can start doing uh, contests and broadcasting those. Obviously, revenues from their parks will still be probably limited by everything, but I think just the fact that live sports are back on the table uh, is definitely reason to be bullish on on Disney. Yeah, you mentioned Caesars. And I think the casino space has kind of been fascinating throughout this crisis. You know, Caesars, prior to coronavirus it becoming a thing, was going to merge with El Dorado. That merger, the results right now aren't, aren't really clear what's going to happen. Uh, you know, I've read reports saying it's still going to go down. Um, and that's kind of the same throughout the entire M&A space, right? Like nobody really knows if deals that were going to happen pre-coronavirus will happen post-coronavirus. Casinos specifically, it also seems like there's been a ton of insider buying. I know we had talked a lot about how MGM, it seems like there's a, a form for essentially every day about how a new insider has purchased stock. So whether that's to prop it up or, uh, you know, they actually see value in the business, it's hard to tell. From a fundamental perspective, it does seem like as long as these guys can stay liquid, obviously casinos, you know, it's a, the house always wins. So it, they have no issues getting funding, it seems like. And if they can just kind of weather through this, it does seem like a good kind of long-term call. Um, so we talked about casinos. You talked about some of the unusual options activities on Caesars specifically. Um, going into this week specifically, do you have any trades you're eyeing? 
So definitely looking at the earnings calls this week, um, I think it's sort of nice to see uh, more earnings plays entering the fold uh, versus really trying to sort of guess what the impact of new coronavirus news is going to have on on trading. And certainly one of the things we've seen is that the market does not really seem to care about how the numbers are moving as far as confirmed cases as well as deaths. So with earnings coming out this week, um, there's definitely a few interesting plays in the tech space. I'll be watching Netflix uh, earlier in the week uh, and then Intel later in the week. That's one. Certainly, I think um, semiconductors with Intel and AMD is one to be bullish on uh, looking forward. Um, but another tech uh, opportunity, I think, for uh, some short selling could be Snap um, based on the fact that it seems like a lot of their user base is certainly transitioning over to Instagram and with um, advertising revenues dropping significantly in their growth based model, I could see them being one of the losers of that tech space. So, you know, certainly with with other companies there um, being close to or near all time highs, I feel like Snap is certainly one that is particularly weak and based on the earnings calls this week, um, we could see a, a significant drop in, in value there. Yeah, that stock seems to have kind of gone back and forth since the IPO and the Instagram story has always kind of trailed it in terms of being a bearish factor. So I like the ideas there with, you know, this was something that was a concern pre-coronavirus and then in the eye of the storm, right? Like does the, this story even become more of an issue? Um, what are you bullish on? I think you had mentioned SDC to me as a name you like. Yeah, so I know that Ben is a big fan of uh, food and hygiene as a service. So if there's any product that you can get delivered to you monthly, then Ben's Ben's in on that. And you've probably heard and read about uh, Ben's Ben's takes on on Chef there. But uh, one of the stocks, and this is kind of more of a penny stock lotto ticket that I'm looking at based on some of the activity Friday afternoon, Smile uh, Direct Club uh, looks like it could potentially be an opportunity, at least early in this week, to cash in on a, a $5 call lotto ticket. And I should again add that most of these plays I'm looking at weeklies for until we have an established market direction. So I think it's it's difficult to uh, make plays based on, again, the uh, actual quality of uh, a company's business or their, their balance sheet uh, until sort of the, the general market trends are no longer directly impacting entire segments uh, all at once. Um, so that's one space where I feel like uh, being able to not be tied to um, the retail shutdown and brick and mortar limitations that we're seeing definitely makes some of those um, service based companies an attractive one. So I would definitely add Smile Design Club or <laughs> Smile Direct Club uh, to, to one of those in the watch list. Yeah, I think they're interesting is the idea just a couple months ago and clearly, you know, on their S1 and going on roadshows, I think they were pretty much up. Uh, post IPO and then you know come coronavirus like it's like who's gonna get kind of elective uh, you know orthodontal I, I don't even know what their main product is right but uh, <laughs> it's not business critical right it's not essential to have your smile aligned you don't need to know what they make just to watch the price go up and down Ben That's exactly right. yeah so we, we threw out the fundamentals on this weekly segment um, I was going to say, like, a, I think that's a good place to start thinking about long-term names um, just because if you IPO'd that recently, right, like, it, it's fairly more or less a nascent business, right? Like, you're still trying to figure out what your, your target market is. Like, Amazon, when they IPO'd, are very similar to where they are now. Same with stocks we've seen that have been more successful, you know, like a, a Zoom or a Datadog in the software as a service space totally have changed from when they IPO'd. 
Um, one I'm going to recommend on a, an upcoming version of Stock Talk is um, Cloudflare, which I IPO'd, uh, I think, in September or so of last year. Um, and it's actually at an all-time high, which is kind of interesting. So, um, Smile Direct Club, yeah, I think we haven't heard the last of them. Uh, I'm sure they just did their IPO, right? So it's fairly liquid in terms of they were able to raise equity in an environment very recently. Um, so, you know, the, the stock has really fallen off a cliff, so I, I don't think it's a bad bad play there. Um, and but before we move on there, I do want to add, and one one thing you and I have talked about that we should at least mention on air here is that certainly I think we've seen uh, a a rapid bounce for a lot of these uh, stocks. I mean, one one will be Smile Direct Club, and another one that comes to mind is at least uh, GME GameStop that will just get beat to to oversold territory and we'll see a rebound significantly thereafter. Uh, maybe that's just a, a statement on sort of the trend of the last few weeks, but I think there's certainly uh, value to be found in some of those other stocks. And I'm looking at shorting here for the next week that have certainly been uh, overbought in the last few weeks despite um, any, any real change in their business outlook. So you know, certainly a lot of, of value to be found in some of those really beaten down stocks that have had you know, 20 to 30% recovery in the last few weeks. And you know, another one would be Occidental Petroleum, just completely switching gears here. Um, they're pretty dead in the water based on the outlook for oil. Uh, so to be trading, I believe around $14 right now is certainly uh, far too overbought for where that company should be trading. Yeah, I totally agree with you on the sentiment that we've had stocks that are giving you know, years worth of returns in the course of a week. So you look at GameStop, this was a $2 stock that now closed at 488 uh, at the end of the day of Friday. There's, there's nothing really to explain the volatility other than nobody has any idea what's going to happen with coronavirus. I mean, Chef is the kind of long-term name I'm, re I'm recommending, but that was a $3 stock at one point. Um, it's traded all the way up to 12 bucks or so. So to see this huge multiples, magnitudes of order type moves in the course of one week, um, I, I think you can bet on volatility returning. And I, and I like the idea of, you know, bet on these stocks that have run up a ton, um, take a bearish position and, and hope there's some regression to the mean or who even knows what the mean is now. Um, I can guarantee you if, there's, if we see a second wave of coronavirus or see anything to the downside, I think we see a similar move down where stocks are, got, are half or a third of what they were previously worth. And in, in that vein, I mean, another example of one stock that appears to be massively overbought would be uh, everyone's favorite meme stock, Tesla. Um, you know, certainly on news of, of production shutdowns to see it uh, hurtling towards $800 and, you know, some of the insane uh, pricing that we saw earlier in 2020 um, certainly seems ripe for for a short. Uh, the only issue there is uh, having the cojones there to <laughs> try and go against Daddy Musk and, and a lot of the uh, fanboyism that's certainly seen that stock way outperform uh, others in this recent uh, market rally there. But the amount of, of buying on that one particular stock just seems, seems ripe for uh, some correction. Yeah, it's, it's hard to be long Tesla and it's hard to be short Tesla. I've definitely seen both sides. Um, the amount of there is crazy. It, it seems to kind of go on these monster bull and bear runs um, for reasons that elude me, right? <laughs> the fundamentals are, always have been semi-questionable. I mean, the long-term story I think is good. There are definitely people who have wrote about it. Kathy Wood of ARK Investing being the main proponent that there's, there's solid long-term value in the business. But 
to, to think this company is, you know, $100 billion market cap based on sales it's seeing now is kind of hard to believe. You have to have some, you have to suspend belief and have a lot of thoughts about the future in order to kind of justify the valuation there. Um, moving to kind of more, uh, more stocks that uh, have a clearer business model and are you know, less volatile than Tesla, although not recently. Um, I think you had Simon Property Group and Square as two stocks you wanted to talk about. So I wanted to hit those names too. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure you'd love to talk about stocks I'd love to go long on, but that's that's a little less fun than, than just talking smack about companies that appear to have skated along despite very obvious uh, issues in, in, in their business model in terms of how it's being exposed uh, to the coronavirus um, quarantine and different um, efforts that we've seen around containment. And in particular, Square is one that, that I've been watching has been... Um, on, on a tear the, the last month, um, up well over 25% since its low back in March. Um, but if you look at their business model, about 70% of it comes from their, their seller segment. And the majority of that is through small businesses, whether that's the local sandwich shop um, or some type of you know, wine bar or something. And these are exactly the types of businesses that are not operating now and very well may not come back based on uh, how difficult it appears for most of these small businesses to get access to a lot of the funds that have been released as part of the stimulus package. Um, despite that, and despite Square being sort of uh, one of the, the highest put-to-call ratios the last couple of weeks, um, the stock certainly hasn't flinched, and that certainly gives me pause to, to take a, a short position just yet. Um, but with their earnings coming up uh, at the beginning of May, um, May 6th, um, I'll certainly be looking to take a position um, if and when that, that leg down uh, begins to happen later this week, probably targeting something in the $45 range. Um, and similarly with SPG, um, certainly that's one company that I know you'd love to go along on in the balance sheet, uh, certainly shows a strong position, but, um, as we are doing this podcast on, uh, April 19th, the year of our Lord, uh, news is coming, coming out about several different retailers, name it Marcus, and certainly Macy's is, uh, in trouble, um, are facing imminent bankruptcy. And these are, you know, some of the. I don't know if they're necessarily the larger tenants for, for SPG, but if we're going to be buying the rumor, selling the news, I think there's certainly going to be a major issue in terms of finding cash flow if a lot of their tenants are either not paying rent or not able to even operate. Um, obviously, malls are a dying business, and SPG is much more diversified than that. But with dining basically not being an option right now and brick-and-mortar uh, retail um having a, a much more accelerated uh, demise than I think we would expect, even though not, not many of those, those companies had a particularly rosy outlook before this, um, presents sort of a downstream uh, issue for, for SPG as far as you know, how they're going to continue that, that cash flow with many of their tenants either not being able to pay rent or themselves being insolvent. Um, so that one's certainly looking a little long-term. I don't have a strike in date, but um, looking at SPG, especially as you know, more announcements for some of those bankruptcies come out in the next week, um, that'll be one to watch. That makes sense. I mean, I think second quarter, or excuse me, first quarter earnings are going to be extremely interesting. Uh, I'm sure we're going to see a lot of companies kind of pull out the party line of, well, you know, the first uh, two months, you know, January and parts of February were very solid. And then, you know, March, we saw whatever it was, 50 to a 70, 80, 90, 100% decline in sales. 
So I think that people will be focused less on that perhaps and more so on guidance going forward. But again, the question remains, what guidance can you provide uh, when it's just not clear what's going to happen with reopening the economy? And one, one other galaxy brain play here, and one that I unfortunately dragged you into a little bit too soon, uh, is looking at how to short some of the Chinese stocks that are being traded uh, in Wall Street. And part of the thought there is, one, the number of reports has been pretty staggering in recent weeks as far as uh, different accounting shenanigans, whether that be Luckin Coffee or Tal Education, GSX, we've seen... Um, reports on uh, questionable accounting for IQ, uh, and yet these stocks continue to climb. So the tough thing about that is I have no idea what an appropriate valuation is for most of these Chinese stocks since we don't actually do any type of or interact with their product anyways to really know its strength in the market uh, relative to competitors. But I think one of the brewing um, global economic uh, situations here is, you know, further uh, trade war and potentially, you know, an embargo situation with China. Um, if, you know, this blame shifting for coronavirus uh, accelerates, especially in an election cycle here, uh, certainly we'll see plenty of production shift away um, from China as we're seeing supply chain issues. But uh, with just so many questions about how reliable um, the earnings are for those stocks. I feel like it should be very difficult for investors to uh, invest heavily in any signs of growth, especially for some of their growth stocks. Um, also looking at plays like PDD in that space, one of the lesser retail players. And certainly, you know, Alibaba is well positioned to be the market leader there, but it doesn't seem like there is much room for uh, three major online retailers between Baba, JD, and PDD. Uh, but again, those stocks have been uh, on a tear sort of the last couple of weeks here. So when to find an exit is is going to sort of depend on sort of a, a catalyst here through the news, since it is sort of a black box as far as what's going on in China. Absolutely. Yeah. And we started this podcast by talking about what's the next leg down. So I think that's kind of a good place to end it. And I think your China bear thesis uh, makes a lot of sense, right? Like this whole thing may have started with coronavirus, but in terms of what drags it onward, in terms of being a full-blown economic crisis, it could be China's economy falling apart before our eyes. So I think those Chinese stocks are, are a good place to be if you're looking for puts. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's a, it's a great thought and you had some awesome trade ideas I'm excited to start thinking about for the week ahead. So thanks so much for being on, John. Well, to tie it up, one just last thought here, I think with fundamentals being completely thrown out the window, uh, and certainly at least in, in the weekly view and monthly view, trends sort of dictating what's going on, how do we know when that leg down is going to come? Certainly unemployment numbers and uh, pretty laughable earnings last week haven't been that, that catalyst to kick it off. Uh, well, if you can't use fundamentals, I think the next step would be to look to witchcraft here. So, uh, as everybody knows, when there's a new moon, the market is usually down that day. So we're looking at one on Wednesday, the 22nd. So folks set your alarm and look for that leg down to potentially kick off in the middle of this week on Wednesday. Well, not sure if I'm ready to use witchcraft just yet, but let me know how it works out for you. And I'll be excited to talk about the next time. I'll be howling at the moon. All right, John. Have a good one, buddy. Take it easy, Ben.